Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from The Madness of Morning, written by Pam Farley. A Dark and Twisted Mystery Thriller Following the death of his estranged brother Tim, Riley Greenham returns to his hometown of Madden and learns that Tim died as a result of a severe heart condition. However, local cop Carl Morris is convinced that Tim was involved with a recent murder and that his death may not have been from natural causes. He knows that Tim believed his parents' fatal car crash more than 15 years earlier was not an accident, but deliberate. Paths of two families are tragically entwined, and Riley's present and future life will rely on his wits and Carl's dogged determination to find the truth. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from The Madness of Mourning. Part 1 Chapter 1 Jimmy, 1998 Jimmy Lawrence struggled from his narrow bed, the scrunched sheets wafting up the scent of sweat and smelly feet. He held the window ledge for support, knocking over a bunch of plastic stormtroopers as he paused to drag in deep breaths. Pain stabbed his throat and sliced at his chest. His grip was weak, and his hands trembled like a junkie in anticipation of a hit. It was tempting to flop back onto the mattress, but he was wide awake now, wondering if his aching bones were sore from lying for too long, or if some malignant disease snuck inside him while he slept. There was a lull in the god-awful music which permeated the house. Outside, the wind was howling and wheezing. Or maybe that was his breathing. No. It was coming from outside. The wind sent trees into a crazy dance in the dim light, and bits of foliage flung through the air like green missiles. He wanted to be out there. He preferred the storm's roar to the noise from downstairs, which would no doubt start again. Booze was flowing and his mum and dad teetered between making out and arguing. Now they were singing along badly to Jimmy Barnes, his namesake. Jimmy despised both the singer and the name. Soon they would be back to bickering, always loud but seldom violent. Jimmy saw Barnesy in concert once, singing quite loudly, sweating like a bastard, knocking back beers on the stage, and wearing half of it. He hated the guy. His parents dragged him along as though they were expanding his cultural horizons. Jimmy glanced at his reflection in the flaking mirror on the closet door. Fuck, he muttered. His normally sallow pallor was gray. Sweat ran down his chin and chest, darkening his pale blue t-shirt and straggly hair plastered to his head. He'd seen healthier-looking zombies on TV. It hurt when he breathed, in or out, deep breaths or shallow. The knives cut either way. On the ground lay his backpack, its faded Nike logo looking up at him like a sarcastic joke. He only kept his smokes, an old iPod, a spare hoodie, and some grass in the sports bag. He let himself wilt to the floor and fumbled until he found his stash. With shaky hands, he tried to roll a joint. It had to help. But as he tried to light it, his mother shrieked a song's chorus, and he held his hands to his ears. A banshee could carry a better tune. 
The more pissed she got, the louder she became. Jimmy's stomach did a backflip, filling his mouth with bitter juice. She'd stopped singing. Now she was shouting. This was her standard diatribe about his dad's fuck-ups over the years, and Jimmy knew it by rote. Every boozy night he heard it. It started with his dad's first infidelity, with his mum's sister of all people. Oh, what a slut she was. That was worth at least ten minutes of venom and abuse, primarily verbal, but was sometimes punctuated with a slap or two. Then she started in about his dad losing the only decent job he'd ever had. Admittedly, it wasn't the old man's fault. His position became redundant, a sign of those financial times. But she never failed to bag him for it. Since then, he'd only found part-time work, which was often dodgy. The rant progressed to reminding him of the time she was forced to leave because of his uselessness. Next, she banged on about her hardships as a single mother. Jimmy recalled little of those days, thank God, but her description of their penury sounded bloody grim. Then she progressed to the trouble with the police. Jimmy's dad had gone off his head because she had a bastard child with Steve Schultz, Jimmy hardly remembered the man. He was just some bloke who'd lived down the road. She had quite a few male friends back then. For the next five minutes, her tirade focused on his dad bashing Steve and doing jail time for grievous bodily harm. Oh, how she'd suffered being the wife of a criminal. The embarrassment. The stigma. By the time the baby was born, his dad was out again. Jeannie's voice was shrill in her righteousness. After all, she'd gotten rid of the kid in an attempt to save their marriage. She'd made that sacrifice for him. Her outrage reached a crescendo as she thundered about his father's second, third, and fourth affairs. Of course, his mom only knew about a few women his dad had slept with. Jimmy knew there were more. Every time his mother left them for one night or longer, Someone else was in the old man's bed. Her final accusation was that he caused the death of Jimmy's maternal grandma. Of course, Jimmy never quite understood that one, as the woman had lung cancer, plus his dad had only met her twice. Still, Jeannie blamed him for it every time they got on the booze. When the altercation quieted down, Jimmy decided to get out of the house. His mother might have had her say, but his dad would now retaliate with his version of events. Jimmy didn't want to hear any more. He wasn't the brightest kid in his school class. Jimmy guessed there was only one guy dumber, and that kid had suffered a brain injury. But Jimmy knew his parents' constant battles were part of an unwinnable war. They were like the snake he'd once heard of that ate its own tail. He knew they were genuinely messed up. He slung his backpack over his shoulder, gripped the railing, then half walked and half slid down the stairs. His breath was coming in ragged gasps. Every few steps, he had to pause. He glimpsed them in the small lounge room. His mother straddled his dad's lap while they both sang loudly to working-class man. He could smell the beer and stale cigarette smoke. It was the calm before the next part of the storm. Jimmy coughed into his sleeve, muffling the noise. He hawked up chunks of blood-tinged mucus, wiping it with disgust from his palm onto the banister. His parents hadn't noticed him, and when he slammed the glass-paneled door behind him, there was still no response. 
only Barnsey busting his larynx again. The wind made Jimmy pause. The furious air seemed to fill him. He stood still, opening his mouth wide to take it in and let it inflate him. After a minute, his head cleared and his senses were almost normal. The backyard sloped down. The gradient forced Jimmy to walk faster than he normally would have. Soon he could smell the creek and see the reeds and bamboo that grew alongside it. The moon cast just enough light to make out the path leading to the small cove where he sometimes caught tadpoles, beer cans, or used condoms. The walking stirred up the muck in his chest, and he had to keep stopping to cough up foul sputum. Despite that, he felt a bit better. If only his energy would return. A smooth rock shelf jutted out over the water like a natural pier. Jimmy clambered to the very end of it where the reeds sheltered him from the wind. He could hear the frogs talking to each other. It took three goes to light his joint. He took the first few tokes cautiously, wary of stirring up the cough. The dope went immediately to his head, making it feel light. Euphoria engulfed him. The pain in his chest abated, and for the first time he smiled. The water lapped at his feet. It was surprisingly warm for mid-March. He laid back on the rock, using his backpack as a pillow. He tried to make out stars, but the sky seemed solid black. There were flashes of lightning and the rumbles of thunder further north. He hummed a song, but quickly stopped when he realized it was Kaysan. Too much exposure to Jimmy fucking Barnes. With a wild shake of his head, he rolled another joint. This time he took big lungfuls, ignoring the burning and urge to cough. He finished the smoke and closed his eyes, savoring the strange musings in his head, letting the crazy dreams take him away. He dozed. When the rain started, he laughed as the fat drops landed on his face, but he struggled to his feet when the wind lashed him with straps of reed and pelting leaves. A gust caught him as he shrugged into his backpack. He just secured it as a blast of wind flung him sideways. His feet slipped from under him and he fell. His fingernails snapped as he desperately grabbed at the rock, but the stone was slick and there was nothing to grasp. He didn't panic when he fell into the creek. It wasn't dangerous and he'd played in it all his life. He'd only been afraid in the water once. He'd almost drowned that time. But now the coughing scared him because he couldn't stop once it started. He clawed at his throat his head dipping below the surface as he doubled over, taking in the mud-flavored water while trying to breathe, but the hacking cough continued. The tightening in his windpipe was unbearable, and he could neither scream for help nor breathe. His eyes bulged as he thrashed uselessly in the grimy creek. His body was screaming for oxygen. His senses were dulling, and he knew he was blacking out. A song played in his head and his mouth moved mutely to the words. Tears flowed down his cheeks with the futility of his existence. Why the fuck was he singing this song? Any other fucking song but Kaysan. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from The Madness of Mourning. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.